Hello and welcome to the Rotowell Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and we're here to break down everything happening in the world of fantasy baseball. Corey Seager and Ken Giles hurt, Chris Paddock sent down on the minors, a certain rookie on the Marlins dominating in his major league debut, and much more. To dig into all that, I welcome here fellow Rotoworld senior baseball writer Drew Silva. And under the circumstances, I'm surprised you showed up today. I thought you'd be <laughs> out partying somewhere even now. I, I got a lot of partying in last night. Uh, don't really remember getting home, but I, I did make it back and set my alarm. And, <laughs> and you did your did shift it. today. That's very respectable. I did. I, did. Yeah. I wasn't even late. Um, I'm a, I'm a grown man, DJ. <laughs> Very maybe professional. In, maybe in earlier years it wouldn't have happened, but, uh, yeah, the St. Louis blues won their first Stanley cup. And, um, I don't know, man, it's just such a cool experience that the parade is Saturday. That's going to be the images from that thing are going to be pretty cool. I, I think there'll be over a million people down there. You know, people think of St. Louis as, as like a baseball town and, and it is, but you know, there's some. I have friends who care more about the Blues than the Cardinals. Um, not that you have to pick one or the other because they play in generally different seasons. But um, like high school hockey is a big deal in St. Louis. There were five first round draft picks from St. Louis in last year's NHL draft. Wow. And, um, so it's it's a big deal. And and working for NBC, I get I got the hookup on some tickets. Not for the Stanley Cup Finals, unfortunately, but uh, the previous three rounds. Um, and I saw just before we got on that. Game seven last night was uh, the highest rated hockey game in, in television history. So uh, good, good for our, our parent network. There. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. And that it generated that much buzz and um, a heck of a run by the Blues for sure. And yeah. I hope this means we can avoid another Cardinals World Series appearance for a little while. We'll see. You've gotten your I don't fill. Think I don't think they're related, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to get this out like pretty much every time the Mets and Cardinals end up playing, so I apologize. Oh, yeah, I guess. I, you know what? I've been like so <laughs> not paying attention to the Cardinals that I, I have no idea what their schedule's like. Yeah. But yeah, they, they do start a series uh, Thursday night. Yes. So we're actually here to talk about baseball, and uh, <laughs> we had yet another interesting call up over the past week. In fact, one that. I've gotten so many questions about this person over the past few weeks, but he's finally up, and it looks like he's the real deal. Yeah, me too. We're talking about Jordan Alvarez here, the Astros prospect. I do those Instagram Q&As uh, most Fridays. I think you do them on Tuesdays, and I uh-huh. feel like every other question is about... Oh, man, it what, was, what yeah. Are they, <laughs> what are they calling up Alvarez? And I was like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, get, I guess they. my guess was that they were waiting for after the Super 2 deadline, or... or there might be something to him actually having to work on his defense, but it, I don't know. It looks like he's going to DH for the most part. Uh, but yeah, it's not the most current bit of news because it happened on Sunday. But yeah, the Astros did call up Jordan Alvarez, and he homered in his first two major league games. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first Astro ever to do that. And they've had some some big time sluggers come through that organization, dating back a few decades. Um, he has, has emerged as like the best hitting prospect in all of baseball this year at AAA Round Rock. Uh, put up ridiculous numbers there, 343 batting average, 1.184 OPS, 23 home runs, 16 doubles, 71 RBIs, and 56 games. Um, he looks the part, too. Uh, not that size always means anything, but he's all of six foot five, 230 pounds, jacked. Um, has a really nice-looking swing, easy power. Um, you can see why he really tore it up at AAA and, and has already made a splash here in the majors. Um, playing time? I guess could be an issue moving forward. George Springer is nearing a rehab assignment. 
Uh, Josh Reddick's having having a pretty good year. Michael Brantley's locked into a corner outfield spot, also having a really good year. But I don't know if Alvarez keeps mashing. Um, like I said, I think maybe he could take over as like the everyday DH or or have a larger share of that job, like kind of in a platoon role with Tyler White, who has gotten it going a little bit lately. Um, Yuli Gurriel has probably been the Astros' weakest link at at first base. Um, Alvarez did play a lot of first base back in Cuba, um, and he made nine starts there at AAA this season. So I'm thinking he should get everyday playing time moving forward or, or something close to it between DH, first base, and, and maybe some quarter outfield starts here and there. Um, he's probably already scooped up in every competitive fantasy league, uh, so it's not really worth breaking it down too much. But um, fun to see him up, and, and he looks like he's going to be special. So now that Alvarez is up, you know, we – we have to look toward the minors for any other prospects who could come up soon. Uh, Luis Arias with the Padres seems like a pretty obvious one uh, to stash if he's still out there. Keston Hira, uh, who was demoted last week, uh, another pretty obvious one. Kyle Tucker, you know, I keep getting questions about him too. Obviously, hard to see a path there with uh, Alvarez up at the Astros, though, you know, come trade deadline, you know, he's going to be a popular name perhaps to float in trade rumors. So moving over to the injury side, uh, as I said at the outset, Corey Seager hit the injured list this week due to a left hamstring strain. There were reports earlier Thursday that it was between a grade one and a grade two strain, grade two being more severe. So the early timetable is four to six weeks, but I guess it could be in the on the more like soonish side, depending on how things turn out here. Still, it's a tough blow. Seager understandably got off to a slow start this year. Not only coming back from Tommy John surgery, but hip surgery as well. But he had dramatically turned things around recently. He was hitting 400 with four homers and 18 RBIs over his last 17 games prior to the injury. Pulled his OPS up from 693 to a much more respectable 828 OPS uh, during that time. So an impressive turnaround and, and much more in line with what we expect from the normal Corey Seager. So hopefully this hamstring injury doesn't slow his momentum at the plate, but in the interim, Chris Taylor figures to see a lot of time at shortstop, and this has been a tough year for him. He's batting just 218 with a 674 OPS over 64 games. This was after he posted a 775 OPS last year, of course, in the follow-up to his breakout 2017 campaign. So I wouldn't go too crazy in shallow mixed leagues. You look at things that um, you know we talk about all the time now, average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, Taylor way down this year. Um, but he could still provide a little bit of pop and some speed as well. And he also qualifies at three different positions in Yahoo. So there's definitely some relevancy here depending on roster need. You know, if you need an extra utility guy, bench player, you can plug and play. Uh, maybe Taylor can be of help. Yeah, Seeger was a, a bargain in drafts this spring, um, you know, largely because he missed most of the 2018 season. And he's not like he doesn't stand out as a huge fantasy asset because he doesn't hit a ton of home runs, um, doesn't steal a ton of bases. But, um, yeah, was off to a nice start this year in terms of counting stats, 38 RBIs, 40 runs scored. Um, yeah, but I, I think it sounds like it's not as severe as maybe they initially thought or yeah. as, as bad as it initially looked. Like it looked like it was probably a, a grade three strain, but – um, so hopefully he's back around four, maybe five weeks. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, the Yankees are starting to get healthier. Some some updates here. Didi Gregorius uh, returned from Tommy John surgery last Friday. 
And it looks like both John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge could return sometime next week. Uh, Stanton probably earlier in the week. Judge hopefully like next weekend or, or maybe the following week. Um, Stan resumed his minor league rehab assignment this week at high Tampa went two for four with a home run on Tuesday and then slugged two home runs on Wednesday. Uh, I, w- I would guess he's going to move up to triple a Scranton this weekend for two or three more games and then returns next Tuesday or, or, or Monday. If the Yankees have a game on Monday, um, he initially landed on the IL back on April 1st with a bicep strain, then suffered a calf strain before a scheduled rehab game in late May. Um, but obviously trending in a really positive direction right now uh, with the homers and, and good health. Hopefully he can can stay healthy and carry over that power he's shown in the minors uh, to the majors. If he is healthy, I, I would expect that he will. Um, Judge is supposed to begin a minor league rehab assignment this weekend. Um, so like I said, looks to be on track to return next weekend. Um, he's been out since April 21st with a strain left oblique, not as long as Stanton, so Shouldn't need quite as many rehab games. Um, Judge was off to a, a nice start this year. 925 OPS, five home runs through 20 games, kind of what you expect from the guy. Um, he had even stolen two bases. Um, so a couple of frontline fantasy sluggers on the way back. It's amazing the Yankees have survived so well without totally. Stanton and Judge. A, a half game up on the Rays for first place in the ALE standings as we record here on Thursday. Gio Urshela has been an amazing pick up for them. I, know, I mean, I know we, he's been considered a really good defender for a long time, but actually hitting this year as well. And that DJ LeMahieu signing has been yeah. so valuable for them. He's been maybe one of their best all-around players um, this year, if not their most valuable player. Um, I think what will be interesting to watch with the Yankees is what happens with Clint Frazier at this point. Um, mm-hmm. He's actually been fairly productive for them this year, but um, not if you include his his numbers in the outfield. Uh, his defense has been really bad, um, and it almost looks like he's afraid out there sometimes. Um, yeah, I think he's got like the yips or something. He yeah. shouldn't. He's a fast guy. He shouldn't be bad defensively. Yeah, he's it's something. Oh. It's getting to him. You can definitely tell it's getting to him. And um, you know, I I don't know if he's going to be sent down or not. But it seems like there just might not be enough room for him to get at bats. Um, so we'll see, maybe it could be for the best if he goes down to the minors and, and gets that straightened out because he's, he's a talented player and we've seen that from the offensive side so far this year. Um, I guess next up a bit of a surprise move. The Padres opted option, Chris Paddock to high a ball on Wednesday. This was after he gave up 12 runs and 14 in the third innings over his last three starts, increasing his ERA from 1.93 to 3.15 on the year. Still, this demotion wasn't about performance as much as workload and maybe something else. <laughs> Paddock is already at 65 and two-thirds innings. He threw 90 last year between high A and double A in his return from Tommy John surgery. Didn't pitch in 2017, obviously. Logged 87 and, 87 and two-thirds innings between 2015 and 2016 in the minors, so he's on pace to blow away his previous totals. Uh, and like Paddock, the Padres have stumbled a bit recently. I know they've been mentioned as a, a possible wild card contender, maybe. So I guess they could have gotten creative by using Paddock as maybe an opener or, or skip a start or two rather than send him to the minors. There's certainly ways they could have approached this without demoting him, but it's obviously possible they want to keep him down there long enough to manipulate his service time. So something to watch anyway, especially if Paddock's agent starts talking. Um, we've talked a lot about Paddock's workload and potential innings limit situation, even dating back previous episodes. So 
the time to sell high was really a while back, I think. Um, but if you have him on your roster, I think you try to be patient um, and just leave him on your bench for now because I expect him to be really good whenever he's back up in the majors next. I don't think it'll be too long, maybe a couple of weeks, three weeks. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And Denilson Lamette uh, should be ready to return to the Padres uh, coming off Tommy John surgery by the end of this month. Um, so he, he can pick up some innings because the Padres are going to need some some innings to be eaten in the second half, especially if they're going to make a run at, at a wild card spot. Lamette struggled in his first two rehab starts, but looking it up now, he went four scoreless innings with five strikeouts on Monday in high A ball. Uh, was pretty good in 2017, a bloated ERA, but he struck out 139 batters in 114 innings. Um, so may, maybe someone to watch for uh, over the next few weeks. And we're we're barreling toward the All Star break already, and and that's often when we see when we see teams start to, you know, skip pitchers' starts and and be a little creative about um, watching those workloads. So you know, Paddock's a yep. good example of that, but we're probably going to see more of that. Uh, in like the Soroka, yes, for sure. he stands yeah. out as an example. Max Freed, a possibility. So, um, you know, these young breakout pitchers just keep that possibility in mind. Um, yeah, the, the Blue Jays placed closer Ken Giles on the injured list Wednesday with right elbow inflammation. Um, it's, it's being called a relatively minor issue. Giles was was having trouble recovering after back to back outings, uh, but any talk involving the, the elbow is obviously pretty concerning. Um, Giles has been awesome this year, a 1.08 ERA, 42 to 7 strikeout to walk ratio in 25 innings, 11 saves uh, for a bad Blue Jays team. If, the, if this elbow issue lingers, it could have like real lasting long term effects for that organization, given that Giles is probably their, their best trade chip or, or maybe it's Marcus Stroman. They might be kind of 1A, 1B. Um, but, but with so many teams looking for relief help and, and Giles pitching so well. Uh, he could fetch a nice package of prospects uh, for Toronto if he's healthy. Uh, I would put Joe Biagini at the top of the list of possible fill-in closer options in Toronto. He did struggle on Wednesday night against the Orioles, and uh, Daniel Hudson actually earned earned the save. Um, Hudson has some experience working in the ninth inning with the Diamondbacks a few years ago, but I'd be worried about he's just never really lived up to the hype, and he's issued 16 walks and 29 appearances this year, so... I don't know if I'd feel real good about picking him up off waivers. I'd, I'd pick up Biagini, Be- though. He has better swing and miss stuff than Hudson. Good good strikeout numbers this year. Um, an ERA in the threes. Um, we'll get to some more bullpen updates later in the show. I, I don't know. Maybe you just want to ignore the Blue Jays' bullpen, but hopefully they'll they'll get better as a team as the, as the year goes along. And, and Vlad Jr. and maybe Bo Bichette comes up at some point and Kayvon Biggio gets it going. Um, they have a lot of young talent there, but they're probably going to be shedding some parts too. I didn't watch the the game last night, the Blue Jays game, but I think the Jays were up by six when Biagini came into the game. There were two runners on with one out, and then it kind of turned into a mess. Um, but that the Blue Jays went to Biagini there with a six-run lead and two on, I'm not sure how much we should read into that. I still think that's like a high-leverage spot, maybe. you know. Yeah. Um, but Hudson did clean things up there. You know, Giles is saying he expects to be ready when he's first eligible. It's hard to ever rely on a player when they say that. Um, Mm. So we'll see how things turn out. You know, it's kind of one of those messy bullpen situations that we're seeing with like a lot of teams right now. Um, So if you really want to speculate, you really need saves, go for it. But um, it's buyer beware 
right now. Um, I know we've all been clamoring for Zach Gallon's call-up to the majors with the Marlins, but uh, with multiple injuries in that rotation, uh, the less heralded Jordan Yamamoto impressed in his Major League debut Wednesday against the Cardinals with seven scoreless innings as part of a 9 to nothing victory. Uh, Yamamoto was acquired in the Christian Yelich deal with the Brewers. Uh, he threw 95 pitches last night, allowed just three hits, and, and walked a pair while striking out five batters. So now that trade is officially even. Okay, you're supposed to laugh now, Drew. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making sure uh, you're awake. <laughs> I mean, no, the, it's, it's good that the Marlins are... Starting to see returns on on the Christian Yelich and Marcelo Zuna trades. They had, you know like, what? What's interesting about the Marlins? Before I dig in deeper here on Yamamoto, I think they're going to arrive sooner than people expect because they really have some nice pitching depth um, yep. with this organization. Uh, Pablo Lopez, I put in waiver wire on Thursday. Trevor Richards, um, you know, they have some really interesting arms in that rotation with more to come. So. You know, if they can get things going on the, on the position player side, um, they could be really interesting pretty soon. Yeah, and the Mesa brothers who they, they right. signed over the winter. Right. Yeah, they're, they're going to be a good team eventually, and then maybe they'll get some fans to show up. I, yeah. I didn't get to see Yamamoto's debut because there was another St. Louis sporting event going on, <laughs> and I went to the Fish concert too, which right. was hard, hard to juggle. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, the Marlins are finally starting to see some returns from those Yelich and Ozuna trades. I'm not sure they got very much for Giancarlo Stan. That was more about dumping salary. But Well, whatever um, I saw from the Yamamoto start was on like MLB Tonight and, and Quick Pitch yeah. on MLB Network. And um, I wasn't super impressed by the velocity. I think I mostly saw, um, you know, it was like 91 is what I would, was seeing flashing up there. Um, but the breaking stuff looked good, had good movement. He was keeping the ball down with his, his breaking pitches. He was throwing up in the strike zone when he needed to. Um, but I don't know if I see him as like an automatic ad in, in mixed leagues. Um, the ballpark certainly helps. So maybe you see him more as like a matchup play. Um, and the Marlins offense has been better than expected, I guess you could say, especially recently. But, um, you know, there's every reason to think he could stick as a, a back end starter and have a pretty nice career so uh at least there's that and like i said you know the marlins uh continue to have some really interesting young pitchers emerging yeah zach gallon should be up soon 1.57 era 104 strikeouts and 86 innings this season at triple a so he does he has no more proving to do in the minors um, yeah caleb smith on the injured list right now uh, unfortunately um and alcantara has you know good stuff but you know a little inconsistent but yeah hopefully smith is you know gets back soon and and uh resumes what was really a breakout season for him uh pirates top pitching prospect mitch keller got another shot in the majors on wednesday uh, and it went about as poorly as his first shot, actually more more poorly. Uh, gave up six earned runs on 10 hits and two walks over just three innings against the Braves after allowing six earned runs over four innings back on May 27th against the Reds. Uh, at least this time it looks like he's going to stick around a while. Um, Jamison Tyon still isn't throwing. Uh, the Pirates kind of need some rotation depth. And I'm I'm betting... Uh, Keller's going to have a lot more success in his third major league start. It's it's next week against the Tigers, who are dead last in the majors and runs scored. Um, Keller had a 3.10 ERA with 74 strikeouts and 58 innings this season at AAA Indianapolis. In the past, it's taken him a while to adjust to promotions to different levels of the minor leagues. Uh, didn't have great numbers last year at AAA after moving up from AA Altoona. 
where he was very good. Uh, so maybe it's just about adjusting. I, I don't know. That could just be a narrative. The stuff is really good. He was a top 20 prospect coming into the year. Um, ownership is on Yahoo is under 10%. It's at 4% on ESPN. If you're looking for a sneaky streaming option next week, a guy who, who others owners in your league have given up on, I think it, I think it should be a two start week for Keller. If, if the, the Padres or if the pirates stay in line, um, with their current rotation plans, um, so I'd, I'd give him a shot as, as kind of a, a dart throw streamer because he's got he's got the ability to, to, to uh, have some success. You're a bold man, Drew. Uh, <laughs> moving from another rookie to a veteran here, Lance Lynn. Uh, what's gotten into him lately? Really turning back, back the clock, he's, he's looked great. After a respectable showing against the Red Sox on Wednesday, Lynn now holds a 3-1-8 ERA over his last seven starts. He hasn't allowed more than three earned runs in any of them. He's put up a stingy 57 to 8 strikeout to walk ratio in just over 45 innings during that time. He struck out at least seven batters in five straight starts. I know some people scratch their heads when the Rangers gave Lynn a three year, $30 million deal over the winter, which sounds insane given how slow the market played in general. I was very pro team. Um, but that decision is looking pretty good right now. Uh, maybe they could actually turn him into a good trade chip here. Um, but one interesting thing here on Lynn, he's really up the usage of his cutter this year. According to Brooks Baseball, he's at 17.93% this year compared to 11.32% last year. But he's really loaded up in his most recent outings, and he's getting more whiffs on that pitch than anything else. So leaning into his strengths and having success. Um, Lynn was still available in about half of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday afternoon. So be sure to take a look, see if he's still out there in your league. He's a great two-start option for next week. He draws starts against the Indians and White Sox at home. So I'd be all over that. Yeah, Lynn's arsenal is like four four different fastballs. Like he throws a cutter, the four-seamer, and a two-seamer, and another pitch that, that kind of gets some movement on it. And he was a mid-three ERA strikeout per inning guy for a long time very in St. steady Louis. yep yeah before signing that uh late contract with the with the twins in, in the spring of 2018 and struggling there uh moved to the yankees and had some success to close out the 2018 season so i don't think it's overly surprising to see him bounce back uh with a more secure position in texas uh but you're right i think they'll probably trade him though hey man the rangers are they're the second wild card right now. Yeah, they're, so. they've been surprising. And, you know, Mike Miner fits in that same category of someone who, yep. you know, a few years back we were talking about um, as being a fantasy asset. And he's better than ever this year. So, um, yeah, the, the, the problem is they probably have to trade Miner, like, just for their future. So I, yeah. I think they're going to fall back. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely fair to say. But um, they've been a pleasant surprise. Hopefully in the, they can get Joey Gallo back soon. Uh, Willie Calhoun is on a minor league rehab assignment, uh, or I believe he's starting one on uh, the next day or so. So maybe he can come back uh, next week and pick up from where he left off. So um, some interesting pieces there with the Rangers. All right, a couple of uh, bullpen updates here on the Braves bullpen, actually. A.J. Minter was recalled from AAA Gwinnett on Tuesday and pitched for the Braves both on Tuesday night and then again on Wednesday I gave up a run in his first outing and then walked two batters, but pitched a scoreless inning in his second outing. Uh, Minter had a shoulder issue this spring and was optioned to the minors in early May after posting a 9.82 ERA over his first 11 innings with the Braves uh, and, and was showing diminished fastball velocity. So it was pretty clear he was, wasn't fully healthy. Uh, took well to that demotion to the minors, though, put up a 2.53 ERA 
and 15 to two strikeout to walk ratio in 10 and two third innings at the AAA level. Um, I think he could eventually work into the saves mix. Uh, Luke Jackson seems to have emerged as their, you know, preferred ninth inning man. He's up to nine saves on the year, but, but uh, Josh Tomlin, Jacob Webb and Anthony Swarzak have earned the last three saves for Atlanta. So who knows? Uh, Braves manager Brian Snitker seems pretty comfortable attacking high leverage situations with a, a more matchups based approach. I wouldn't run out and, and add Minter yet, um, especially given that he hasn't looked all that sharp since returning, but something to watch out for, I guess. Uh, Jackson is still probably the best guy to own there. Uh, he's got a 3.27 ERA and a struck out 49 batters in 33 innings against just nine walks. So he's been really good. Um, Sean Newcomb was in that saves mix at one point. Uh, but he's going to return to the rotation actually this Saturday against the Phillies and deservedly. So he has a 1.42 ERA and 21 to two strikeout to walk ratio since moving into the Braves bullpen back in early May. Um, I don't necessarily love Newcomb's matchup against a, a good and deep Phillies lineup, but he has pitched well enough lately that, that maybe he, he's worth trying again as a starter in deeper leagues also has that reliever eligibility now in leagues where that matters. Um, if he sticks around, he would get the Nationals next, though Dallas Keuchel is lined up on the same schedule as Newcomb and and Kevin Gaussman, uh, who Newcomb is essentially replacing. Gaussman went on the injured list this week with plantar fasciitis. Could be more of a phantom injury thing. He has, yeah. He's been really, really bad lately. Uh, ERA for the season up, up to 6.21. So Newcomb and uh, Mitch Keller are, are my dart throw streamers if people are desperate out there. So I wanted to close things out here uh, talking about two hot hitters, and that's Ramon Laureano of the Athletics and Scott Kingery of the Phillies. We actually did a show back in late March guessing what late-round players can end up being top 100 players this season, and my pick was Ramon Laureano, which looked pretty bad initially. He, he really struggled to begin the year, but um, hit a grand slam, drove in five, stole two bases Wednesday against the Rays. He's now hitting 299, 339, 504 with five homers, 11 RBIs, and 18 runs scored over his last 32 games. So a lot closer to what many were hoping for after his strong and surprising debut last year. Uh, I guess there are still some negatives here. The approach is very aggressive. So you worry a little bit about the batting average and his ability to get on base. He's also hitting in the bottom third of the A's lineup, but... There's no reason he can't continue to be a useful uh, compiler of counting stats moving forward. And it's very possible he could have a 2020 season. So, you know, give him a little, give him another look if you dropped him earlier this year. He was still available in nearly three quarters of Yahoo leagues going into the day Thursday. And, you know, with his defense and center field and his strong arm, I think the playing time should be fairly safe. Um, as for Scott Kingery, you know, this is a guy who had a terrible rookie season. I know there was a ton of hype you know, signing that extension, making the Phillies opening day roster last year, but uh, all around one of the least productive players in the majors last year, also playing basically out of position at shortstop, forced into that position. So that couldn't have helped things offensively. So really entered this season off the map as a fantasy option, but he's hitting 315 with a 356 on base percentage, 613 slugging percentage with 18 extra base hits, including seven homers in 18 RBIs through 36 games. So uh, remember, he hit eight home runs all of last season. And this is someone who's taking over center field duties. Of course, Odubel Herrera is under investigation for a domestic violence arrest. So Kingery should continue to play 
fairly regularly, and if not in center field, could play third base in, in place of Michael Franco, who struggled quite a bit. Um, you know, Kingery's still striking out right where he was last year, not really showing any more patience, but he's been more patient in an important area. He's not chasing pitches outside of the strike zone. Um, and then we've seen him have really noticeable increases in everything we like to see, average exit velocity, hard hit percentage, barrel percentage. So he's being a little bit more choosy with what he's swinging at, and it's really working for him. So, you know, this is someone who's still out there in just over half of Yahoo leagues right now, has that eligibility really all over the place, and, you know, really qualifies in that post-hype category in a deep Phillies lineup, um, lots of nice pieces around him. So I think he's a really solid pickup in case he starts delivering on these minor league numbers, which were really, really impressive and were the reason for the hype in the first place. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him as, as being that kind of post-hype breakout guy. I think that was back in April yeah. uh, when he had a, a nice little <laughs> stretch of games. He, he's got that that skill set that you look for in fantasy with power and a little bit of speed. Um, I mean, he hit, had 26 homers and 29 stolen bases in 2017 between AA and AAA. Um, so, yeah, definitely a good guy to pick up. And then with Loriano, um, I think the A's might actually be sellers at the trade deadline this year. Um, but he would definitely qualify as, as one of their untouchables. And, I mean, th- that second AL wild card is, is kind of going to be up for grabs, it looks like, unless the Red Sox get it going or the Indians get it going. Um, like I said earlier, the Rangers are there right now. The A's are two games back. So so maybe it's within reach. They did have a great second half last year. And they have, and, uh, and they, sh- they should be getting healthier, too. Yeah. yeah, they got Luzardo and A.J. Puck. Yeah. Um, I guess Jarrell Cotton had a setback. But they, they've got some some arms on the way. Um, to at least eat innings, or Shamanaya too is is sure. on his way back. So they've got reinforcements on the way. Yeah, they could be an interesting team in in the second half for sure. I mean, if you had an ability to stash someone in maybe an NA spot, like a minor leaguer, you should definitely do that with Luzardo or Puck if you can, because they yeah. are impact arms. And even on their, you know, pit, pitching in the minors right now, they're like throwing upper 90s stuff right now. Yeah, so. Puck, Puck was hitting 99 uh, yeah. in his other rehab start, which is impressive coming off. Uh, yeah, he had Tommy John surgery, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's so well. it's encouraging, but also pretty exciting if you want an upside play for the second half. So yep. uh, anything else? Actually, yeah, uh, I wanted to update Craig Kimbrell, too. Uh, he's expected to advance to live batting practice sessions this weekend. Um, has already thrown a couple of bullpen sessions since the Cubs signed him to that three-year, $43 million contract last Friday. Uh, so it looks like he'll be in their bullpen in probably two weeks, I would say. Uh, Steve Ciszek suffered a bruise on the inside of his right knee when he got struck by an errant throw during pregame warm-ups on Wednesday in Colorado, but it sounds like he'll be fine in a couple of days. Uh, so, maybe, I don't know, maybe Pedro Strope. Uh, can pick up a few more saves before Kimbrell arrives. But I I think Kimbrell will be in there by the end of June for sure. Okay, so that will do it for this week. If you like what you're hearing with the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and also rate and review as well. I know we say this every episode and you hear this on every podcast you listen to, but um, this stuff really matters in terms of spreading the word about the show. So do us a solid and leave us a review this week if you get a chance. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short and Drew is at Drew So. We'll see you next time.